0: This is in the locker room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio, presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F one hundred and fifty is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wolf
1: and Wes in the locker room.
0: Our man Max,
1: we're still getting him healthy, ready. Get have him coming to sure this weekend because the Dirty Birds are coming to town. He's got to be ready to go, so he's got to get his beauty sleep. And he's been getting enough of his uh, chicken soup, or Stan Saverin calls it Jewish penicillin, and he's gonna. He, <laughs> we got to get him right as rain, Wes. So we're gonna. Hopefully, he's just he's coming around, and it's all coming together for this weekend.
2: Yes, certainly. Uh, we were we were we were down, Missy, on the sideline last week. We don't want to be down, Max, on the sideline this yeah, week.
1: Exactly. So my friend. Okay, now. I did this the other night with, uh, uh, you know, with the Friar. Mooth. We were doing a show up at Market District. There is Max calls the place, uh, you know, the, the Tajma Eagle.
2: Tajma Eagle. Yeah, because
1: yep. oh, it's gorgeous up there, man. They got everything there. fact guy can just go like stagger around and wonder. It's like <laughs> a wonderland for us hogs, you know. So anyhow, um, I saw a video, okay, of a man, and he was a professional free diver. Okay, now I got four things. That you got to kind of come to grips with. Like, what would you do? Okay. okay? All right. There's a guy down in, in the Honduras. All right. His name is Miguel Lozano. Okay. All right. He's a professional free diver. That means he goes down, you know, and tries to go as deep as he can. Sure. No sure. No oxygen tank. Now you got safety divers around you, you know, that sort of thing. But he had hit 122, 123 meters, and he went after 125 meters, which is 410 feet. Think about this. Wow. All right, you're just going down. He gets down there and he goes unconscious. And the safety divers come and they take him to the surface. They revive him up top. Get zooks, man. I mean, think about that. You're 410 feet down. Are you kidding me? That's crazy. Me? Oh, yeah, tell me. Are you I
2: do you, how, how long do you think you can hold your breath? Oh. Now, I'm assuming, right, in this scenario, like, I get to prep for it a little bit. Like, you're not just chucking me in the water. Right. No, right? we're not
1: throwing you in the water. Like, I could,
2: I could sit there for a minute or two and do some deep breaths and try and expand Absolutely. my lungs.
1: Yeah. This isn't about trying to drown you. Right, it's about trying right. to prep and oxygen, like, oxygenate your body. Well, you if know? I'm
2: saying maybe about 60 seconds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just being realistic here. I don't know. Maybe some adrenaline could kick in and I could get to like 90 seconds, but I, I wouldn't think very long. Now
1: think about this. You still have to go down the line, you know. I right. mean, you're, you're going down. There's some effort expended in just like cruising down to the bottom, you know. So you got, you got to have time to go down. You got to have time to come back up, and and the thought of like going unconscious down there, like, yee! yee. Yeah, that so that's not fun. No, you know, it's really crazy. No, I'm good. On, I'm good on that. <laughs> well, think about it, because and and you you understand the situation. He's got a pregnant wife at home, who <laughs> hey, you know. that's me too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. She doesn't even know what's going on because she's asleep because she's in Indonesia and and uh, uh, Lozano is in the Honduras. All right, oh, and and you know doing this thing. So by the time she woke up. She found out that he was all cool. He had passed out, and he got through his his checks. So that part was good, but I can't believe going 410 feet down on just, you know, air that you're holding in your lungs. All right, that's one. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, now here's two, and we talked about this before. Alex Honnold, back in June of 2017, he free soloed El Capitan in Yosemite, completed the nearly 3,000 straight up. Uh, climb in three hours and 56 minutes, 3,000 feet straight up. I wow. mean, you're up so high. God, Zooks, it's unbelievable. You look at little pine trees that look like, uh, I don't know, little <laughs> pine cones or something. Little I dots. Mean, yeah. yeah, little dots, more like it. All right? So this guy, Alex Honnold, they did an MRI on his brain, all right? The amygdala. That's that uh, specifically, that's that uh, part that controls your fear and your and your gourd, right? Sure. And you're noggin. so they do the and they put they expose him to all this like uh, stuff that could be scary that people react to. But his amygdala like doesn't move. It's like, mm-hmm. so what?
2: <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> oh, you're in a so plane crash. So it's like, a biological. Oh, well. So
2: it's a biological thing, is what you're telling me. Well,
1: I'm wondering. I'm wondering. I mean, how, how you got to have nerves of steel to free solo to climb with just. You know the uh, the chalk that you got in your pocket, no doubt. You know you climb up the side of straight up and down mountain El Capitan. It's it's got to be something biological in there. There's well, I think you're just because nuts. I
2: don't. Yeah, I, like, I'm not afraid of heights, Wolf. You know, like I, I go, I love roller coasters. Like, do you really? Now,
1: yeah. See, I I used to be like that, but now as I got as I got older, I got like uh, more chilled out.
2: Like I'm not afraid of heights, but I'm also not itching to, you know, climb up a mountain with nothing but chalk on my (laughs) hand. Yeah, and remember what
1: Brian Lamartina, who's our resident expert in climbing, right? He said, you got to watch out for the birds. You go up there and, you know, some bird gets honked off because you're by the nest. And it starts swooping on you, you know? What are you going to do, start trying to bat the thing away while you're, you know, clinging to a mountain 3,000 feet up? Oh, my gosh, I can't even imagine anything like that. Because you can't go back down. It's not like you can go. Okay, I had enough. I'm going. Now. You can't. You gotta. You gotta finish the climb. It's all or nothing.
2: You, you certainly do. And that's the. You know, that's the mentality. I think of of those people. It's, a, it's just a different mentality. It really is. To to. You know, I wish we had Brian here. To you know, he's also out with the flu today as well. Oh, is he? So I mean, we're 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 dodging flu drops out here. Me and you. Ooh, I tell you at this ooh. point. Um, but yeah, that's just. Again, I'm I'm all right. Like I'm an I'm an average person. I I like adrenaline. You know, I I like roller coasters. I like to sled down hills really fast in the wintertime. Right. But but reasonable things like that. I don't need to go hundreds of feet underwater with no oxygen. I don't need to jump out of planes and do 57 twirls in the air before I pull my parachute. I, I just I'm good on that. I'm good. I'm I I'm I'm also the type that when we're on the plane heading places Wolf and there's a little bit of turbulence, I'm like, Oh geez, here we go. This whole thing's going down. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, I'm gonna just, die on this airplane. I got uh, I got Wolf and Persuda and <laughs> Billy and Dan Quinlan sitting here with me. This is how I'm gonna go. Oh Lord, please no. <laughs> okay. All right, before we go this
1: the, the, I remember there was this one movie. When I was a kid, it was called The Faces of Death, and it's all these terrible acts.
2: Oh, jeez.
1: And and it was like, my mom, like, you can't watch that. (laughs) And now I'm, like, looking at this stuff. Here's a third one. All right, so you've had number one, you got a free solo diver going 410 down. Second one, you got a free solo climber going 3,000 feet up. Robbie Madison back in March of 2022 completed the longest motorcycle jump in history in melbourne australia he hit the ramp at 102 miles an hour and he went 346 feet now is that unbelievable
2: that's crazy that is crazy (laughs) i mean
1: evil knievel's longest jump was barely over 200 this guy goes think about you go over a football field the length of a football field you're flying on a motorcycle, <laughs> I mean, I, you know you talk about a rough landing coming up. Cool. <laughs> uh, now he had these specifically designed landing areas where it took a lot of the shock out because if you arc it and you do all this testing and stuff like that, you come up with the you know the the proper ramp uh, takeoff angle with the speed and where it'll put you. And then, you know, but still nonetheless, you gotta gotta crank that baby up to 102 miles an hour and fly off the ramp without a parachute. (laughs) All right, the last one, Felix Baumgartner. All right, 10 years ago, he skydived from the edge of space. Now think about this. It took 90 minutes for him to ride the balloon capsule to the edge of space. His free fall, uh, which also included a flat spin nearly blacking out, lasted almost four minutes, four minutes of just falling. I mean, can you imagine just falling for four minutes? Have you ever dreamed like you you were falling in yes. your dream? Yes. Okay. Now,
2: could you imagine doing that for four minutes while you're fully awake? <laughs> I used to, so, Wolf, we used to, you know, growing up, I think probably like you too, like me and my buddies used to ride bikes around the neighborhood all the time. right? Right. Not like motorcycle bikes, you know, just standard like pedal bikes. And I, from the time that I was like 11 or 12 till I was probably 15, I used to have this same dream a couple times a year where me and my buddies were on top of a skyscraper riding our bikes and I would fall off the edge (laughs) and I would fall to the ground and I would wake up as soon as I hit the ground. I had that same dream i kid you not like a dozen times over over my childhood did you ever hit the bottom oh yeah i would well i would always wake up like as soon as i would hit the pavement off the building would be when i would wake up supposedly you
1: die if you hit the bottom in a dream well i'm still standing like like elton john
2: said baby i'm still standing
1: Good. That's good to know. Just in case something happens, and I go, well, it's okay. I can I can take the splat. We're good. All right. So you got Felix Baumgartner. He skydives from the edge of space. Um, oh, and by the way, this is a factoid. If you jump from the International Space Station, it would take you two and a half years to splatulate yourself. On Earth's surface. Jeez. Two and a half years to come down. That's wild. That is wild. I never in my life did I dream that you would take two and a half years. Hey. I mean. I guess that's why they call it space. <laughs> the final frontier. Yes. Yeah, so which one of these tasks would you volunteer for? Cool.
2: <laughs> Not, is there a none of the above option? <laughs> nope. There's none of the above. Okay. <sighs> <laughs> i guess i'd rather go underwater really i think so okay okay now see
1: i i'm on the motorcycle okay, okay. let's do that you know
2: <laughs> yeah good for you good, don't i don't sit- know about a motorcycle good for you i don't <laughs> trust myself on that thing
1: well i grew up on cycles actually okay you know okay. I matter of fact <laughs> one of the funniest stories when i was like 14 one of, one of the funniest stories we'll break after this. We got we got the cool breeze coming up here, and uh, uh, I was down in the gravel pit. 14 years old. My brother Ronnie, who was about eight years old, right? We're we're riding bikes. He was riding his his uh, motorcycle. I had mine, and so we built a ramp and we're jumping off. I'm jumping off the ramp. He's just hanging out, right? So finally he goes, "Hey, Grandma, why don't you take the emergency brake off?" <laughs> Oh, so geez. I think I'm evil Knievel, right? I go off the ramp about uh, 45, 50 miles an hour, or something like that, right? And mm-hmm. I go like 60 feet. I scared the life out of myself. I landed, and I, I mean, and it was a hard landing, but it barely, and it was like I, I swerved a couple times and went down <laughs> and uh, put the bike down, and I'm standing there, I'm like shocked at what just happened. You know, I don't know why I'd be shocked, uh, you know. Considering you go off some sort of angle of a ramp at fifty miles an hour. Right. But anyhow, come off and he comes running down and he starts screaming, That was awesome. He goes, I thought you were gonna die. Do it again. I was <laughs> like, no, no, I'm not doing it again. <laughs> so, having said all that, you'll go down four hundred and ten feet. I'll ride the bike going three hundred and forty six. Horizontally, I just figured there's less time to see the crash coming. You know, uh-huh. the bad things sure. happening.
2: Sure, no, that's a very good point by you. That's a very good <laughs> point by. You. I'm just hoping a large animal eats me when I'm down there in the ocean, and it'll all be over quickly.
1: <laughs> Jonah in the well—that'd be all you <laughs> exactly. needed, right? All right, we got to take a break because we got the cool breeze coming up, and we'll find out from Jerry whether he whether jump from space, ride a motorcycle, or, or or go 410 feet down, or climb up El Capitan. More in the locker room. Be right here, SNR.
0: This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. When
1: you hear that music,
0: you know the cool
1: breeze is in town. Let's welcome Post-Gazette writer extraordinaire Jerry Dulick, Steelers Game Day Radio network pregame co-host and he's brought to you by let's see chupka's two cafe located in the historic south side where you can get and catch all the football and hockey action on their 17 tvs and enjoy three dollar cords light drafts and they're also the purveyor of the best hunky food on the south side i can guarantee that i've been there myself so jerry welcome how are you doing brother
3: well wolf uh i'm terrific um I hope you are too. I'm glad the game is at home this week after back-to-back road games. Uh, so I'm looking forward to uh, being back at Accra Shore Stadium with
1: you <laughs> and our friend Max. <laughs> Absolutely. We're, we're hoping Max is able to get all healed up. We've been telling him that you know Stan Severin calls uh, chicken soup the Jewish penicillin. Said load up <laughs> on it, man. Load up on it. He said he was. So what's hopefully... the matter?
3: What's the matter with Max? Oh, he's, he's a little the under the weather.
1: Yeah, just oh. uh, you know, got a got the flu. You know, so, and so he's... he's not. He's not joining us today. No, he's not today. We got Wes is in the. He's riding a shotgun uh, here with me. I got you. I got I've been. You. I've okay. been. We-
2: I've been wearing a lot of hats this week, Jerry. I tell you. <laughs> yes, I can see.
3: But I'll tell you what. You better wear a lot of clothes and add about uh, two hundred pounds to catch up
1: to Max. <laughs> <laughs> and no doubt about that there's no such thing as a small flu with max <laughs> yeah no that's a that's a big body <laughs> jerry you wrote a great article talking about the Steelers are one of 27 teams who average more than 100 yards rushing per game what's going on you think in the nfl now that you see rushing totals are really at a at a high for uh this for the new millennia
3: yeah you know wolf um uh, you know, I'm certainly not ready, <clears throat> excuse me, to pronounce it a run oriented league, but you can see it turning uh, back in that direction. I don't know that it'll fully get there because, look, if you're going to win a Super Bowl, you better have a quarterback in a passing game that can mm-hmm. move it down the field. But there is no question about it. More and more teams are relying on the run. Um, you even look at the Packers a, a couple weeks ago and they did it in back to back games. They were trailing by 14 points in the second half. And they never gave up on the run, and they actually came back and won the game. And I can't remember who was with against, maybe the Bears, the Vikings. I can't remember, but nonetheless, they stuck with the running game because they were doing it. And we're seeing a lot of teams run the ball. You know, there are seven teams that are averaging uh, one hundred forty-five yards or more. And just five years ago, Wolf, that number was zero. Hmm. Um, uh, so I, I think you're just you, that's what you're seeing around the league. And the Steelers are one of them. In their last five games, they're averaging 157.5 yards a game. That's the biggest uh, five-game total since Mike Tomlin's first five games of his rookie year. Wow. So that just um, that just points up how well they've been running it. And I don't have to tell you, Wolf, because I know this is your Scientology. The <laughs> offensive line has just been uh, – has really, really been very good. And what's been uh, both amazing and surprising about that is you look where they've come since the preseason and where they are now you know the concerns everybody had boy james daniel what's wrong with him was that a good signing mason cole looks average um you know couldn't protect couldn't run block and and look where they are now and and and, you know it's uh they you know the same five have started every game wolf and uh, that's a big big key to their success
2: Jerry, how much of the success on the ground, too, you know, it, it feels like the Steelers, particularly since the bye week, you know, the offense has had much, much better starts. We, I think, would still like to see them, you know, finish in the end zone as opposed to through the uprights more often. But it's easier to stay committed to the ground game, right, when, when you're scoring points early and you're, you're out in front as opposed to, you know, maybe trying to play catch-up.
3: Yeah, Wes, there's no question about it. It's the old Bill Cowher mantra, you know, throw early to run late. Um, And and so when you get on top, you know, they haven't exactly been coming out just pounding the ground, but they've mixed it up pretty well. And I've had no problem with the play calling, the flow of the play calling since uh, the bye week. I think the other important thing it does, though, too, Wes is it limits how many times Kenny Pickett, a rookie quarterback. I'm not picking on Kenny Pickett, but a rookie quarterback has to throw a football. You know, he was averaging 44 attempts a game before the bye in those games that he started and finished, and now he's averaging 32 attempts a game, and he hasn't thrown a pick. And, and that is kind of more of the mix uh, that you want when you have a rookie quarterback. And so that's been the other uh, big benefit uh, of the running game, you know, controlling the clock. He, you know, we, say, we see him killing time, running out games, um, those are the things that that uh, you want your running game to be able to do and uh, they, they've been they, you got to give them credit. they've been very good and it's all four guys too that have shown that have ran well, which is another indication. It's not like four guys all of a sudden are running well, it's because of the offensive line.
1: Yes, yeah, there's no question in my mind. I was talking about it yesterday when I was having a little little coffee in a Danish. You know, while I'm like uh, watching the, the end zone film yesterday morning, just, you know, it's just, it's just fun in the morning. It's like 6.30 in the morning, right? You're sitting there and you, you turn on the film and you, you, you're watching the hogs go at it and they're splatting people. I love it. I mean, it's great family fun. You see these guys coming off the ball the way, you know, we've been hoping to see, you know, the, the, the fact that you can roll back the line of scrimmage on the other side of the ball, that's huge because you don't see that an awful lot in today's football, especially with the emphasis on the passing game. And now with the uh, kind of redoubling down the efforts on the run game, it's beautiful. And part of it is coming from the fact, like you said, less passing, more running, and, and Kenny not making mistakes. Wolf, uh,
3: in my house, uh, our family fun is watching L for Fred Claus, <laughs> not, the, not the offensive line. But, <laughs> but to your point – um, yes, I, yes I, I, think, you know, when I talk to, uh, when I talked to Mason Cole, when I talked to James Daniel, you know, they talk about, you know, the double teaming. One of the things I asked them yesterday, and I'll, I'll kind of pose this to you, Wolf. I sa- I was curious. I said, would you guys consider yourself a power team or a finesse team blocking team? And they both agreed that, you know, it's a little, a mix, but if it's probably the, Mason Cole said, they're not a power team. And yet, James Daniels said that uh, you know, w- which is true, I believe. Most of their big gains come between the tackles, you know. So, um, you know, they're not they're not a uh, they're not a wide zone team like uh, you know we see a lot of other mm-hmm. uh, teams execute. But of their their combo blocks and everything else they've been doing, they've they've just been very good. And again, I think that comes from the continuity of of knowing. What the other guy next to you is going to do. And I asked him, I said, Is that communication? Is that a feel for what a guy is going to do? And they just said, Yeah, it's more just kind of knowing, you know, how he's going to come off blocks or what he's going to do or what he likes to do. And it's more, it's more a feel and understanding of the guy next to you. And when he's there 99% of the time, um, you know, that's that, that continuity is, uh, you know, that's been big for them.
1: Yes. Absolutely huge, Jerry. You're spot on. Here's one of the things that, you know, we talked about it since training camp, and and Mike has addressed it, and you've heard him talk about it, is the double teams. The double teams have a different emphasis than they used to in my day. In my day, it was all about when you double teamed, it was about – Horizontal movement, moving that guy back and putting him in the lap of the second level linebacker. Now, having said that, one man was basically the what we would call the postman. That was Mike Webster on a nose tackle, lifting the guy up, right? And then I got the hip and I'm the drive man. And I'm coming off to, you know, on the backside backer, something like that. Now they run through in various ways so much, both guys have to be equally uh, aware of the run through, which you know the other guy. You got to do this by feel because you're double team, and all of a sudden a run through occurs in the A or B gap, and one of the two has got to go. You know what I mean? You got to get it, right? Right. And it's, so it's that's definitely a feel, and it takes a long time to be to under, understand what the dude next to you is going to do.
3: You know, I, I Wolf, well, I was, uh, you know, I was thinking about this too as you as you were talking. Is that not only. Have we seen the improvement in the run game? And we know how much the run defense has improved. And those are the two things that this team wanted to do better at the start of the year. Uh, Be a run, uh, not oriented, but maybe a run-controlled offense with a young quarterback and a new quarterback. Um, Play action, use some mobility, roll out, uh, but, but rely on the run game to set up a lot and then of course improve what was the the league's worst run defense and they've done that they've done that both and we're seeing the results of that you know they they've mm. they've run the, as as well as they have in a long time you know their rushing average right now is is their highest since 2000 and um 2011 mm. and, and that just goes to show you that they haven't run the ball very well but they're doing it now and especially again these last uh four or five games And I guess it's not surprising they're three and one in, in these games. So if you can run the ball like that and be able to stop the run as well as they have, um, you know, pretty much all year, then, then that's a good combo and Kenny Pickett, not throwing interceptions, not, um, you know, not giving the other team, uh, the ball. Um, you know, that was a big emphasis for him coming out of the, coming out of the bye, And, um, and he's done it, you know, 128 throws in a row without a pick. I think it's one in the last uh, 166. And uh, you know, they've all along they've never wanted Kenny Pickett to win the game. They just want him to not lose a game, and that's the way, and that's the way he's been playing.
2: Jerry, do you think there's is there a next progression in that for Kenny Pickett though over these last five games here? Like, I think you're right. There's there's been a clear like a noticeable difference, uh, a noticeable improvement since the bye week. He's taken care of the football. I think he looks more comfortable in the pocket, not as skittish at times, and is is more willing to step up and stand in the pocket as opposed to, you know, maybe um, like he was doing a little bit before the bye week and, and, and being quick to use his mobility to try and get out of situations when there was still a pocket there by the offensive line. Is there anything that that stands out for you in these last five weeks of – I would like to see him do this, you know, as, as we continue to progress here, or is it still just what we've seen the last four weeks since the bye week, take care of the football, manage the game, make the throws when they're there?
3: Well, I don't know that we're going to see this, but I don't think there's any question the next step in his progress is touchdown throws and explosive plays. They only have eight touchdown throws. That's the fewest in the league, the explosive plays, pass plays, uh, you know, catch and runs are one thing. I'm talking about attacking down the field, and I'm not talking about, uh, you know, sideline combat catches, just uh, solely. I mean, he went after one with uh, Pat fryer and he missed him. But I think when you start connecting for touchdown throws and explosive pass plays, that's what's missing from this offense. Uh, that's why they average what they average, 18-point whatever point it is per game. Um, but when they, when they can hit those explosive plays and not settle for 10 field goals in the last three games. That's going to be the next step in this offense with Kenny Pickett. And again, is that going to come before the end of the year? Well, maybe it will, but I think that's the – and maybe it won't. But that's the next step to me, Wes, in his progression that we will see that will, that will um, you know, make him uh, more impactful uh, and the offense more impactful than, than it has been. And let's face it, it's been okay. I know it was a low bar – and their numbers still aren't staggering. But when you consider what they were and what they've been the last three or four games, it's been OK. It's just the second half has been, hmm. has been kind of meager. And again, not converting touchdowns and settling for field goals has hurt their point totals. But all in all, the offense, you know, when you score in your first five possessions in a game, you're not doing too bad. The problem was four of them were field goals. Right. But that's OK. At least it just shows they're able to move the ball and get in the scoring position.
1: Jerry, were you able to see – somebody posted on Twitter uh, Connor Hayward's touchdown catch and mm-hmm. then uh, Craig Hayward's touchdown catch on a, on a play years ago, and they were almost identical. I mean, it was absolutely phenomenal to see it you know, back-to-back. First it's nope. Connor, then it's Craig. I mean, I don't know. That, that's got to be something special, I would think, in the Hayward house.
3: Yeah, I didn't see that wolf, but I think I've told you this, and I've I've stated this many times. Ironhead was one of my favorite players of all time. You know, I was around him. I uh, covered Pitt at the time. Um, the night that he at uh, the day he announced he was turning pro, I took him and his friend to dinner at the old Bobby Rubino's in Station Square oh, wow, to get yeah. him to, uh, to get him out of his dorm room. So no, and that was before cell phones, really. So nobody else the other paper or other, other outlets could get a hold of him. So, um, Savvy, uh, Savvy there, Jerry. That's a nice I, move. I, I, uh, he's one of my favorite people and yeah. I've talked to Cam about that before and uh, I did not see that wolf. I'm going to go look for it. I would say that was very cool. And I thought that was very uh, touching that both of them went to see uh, their dad's uh, grave site uh, the other day, but yeah, um, you know, Ironhead was a mischievous little fellow, but I, I liked him a great, great deal. He's one of my favorite people.
2: Jerry, last one I've got for you. Uh, any any word, you know, we're, we're waiting here still, Chris Boswell's status, William Jackson's status. Uh, you expect either of those guys to play on Sunday?
3: I don't expect William Jackson to play only because he hasn't played much, and sure. so they're not just going to throw him in there. But I, I think you will see Chris Boswell is uh, going to return, and they will have lovely parting gifts for Matthew Wright.
1: <laughs> all right. well thank you very much cool breeze i appreciate you all right boys always good chatting with you thanks jerry thank you so much jerry and that's jerry dulak the cool breeze brought to you by chupka's two cafe located in the south side where you can catch all football and hockey action on their 17 tvs and enjoy three dollar coors light draft we'll be back with more right after this stay tuned snr
0: is in the locker room with wolf and starks on espn pittsburgh and steelers nation radio presented by your neighborhood ford store the f-150 is the official truck of the pittsburgh steelers
1: and indeed this is going to be a big game coming up acrashure stadium this weekend two trains one track it still has that Subtle undertones, undertones of bitterness. You know, they've had some great battles, west throughout the years. And one of the things that you've always known the the, the Ravens to do is they bring the Blitz. They oh, yeah. High-pressure front-end defense, uh, very ballistic and volatile, uh, secondary, second-level guys. Um, you know, it, it, the Blitz has come. But what's interesting is Dale Lowley wrote a great article on Steelers.com about Kenny Pickett facing the Blitz. And Kenny, you know, the— the, the, the eye test tells you, but the numbers back it up. You take a look, and he's completing 72.1% of his passes versus the Blitz for 481 yards and three TDs. That's pretty impressive, would you not say there, Wes?
2: It certainly is. Yeah, absolutely, and I guess that means, right, Baltimore, just dial it up, baby. Yeah,
1: yeah there's no <laughs> doubt about it. Well, you know, two years ago, they were blitzing around almost half the time, right? Yeah. Then last year it dropped to like uh thirty one percent. Then this year they're 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 down, even more so, mm. down to twenty point four percent. I mean they they blitz one out of five times. Right. All right, right. so my math, I'm just trying to show hey. off, hey. you know. <laughs> but the the fact of the matter is they're gonna rely on that front line. But here's the problem with the blitz. They bring anybody available in the back end. You just don't know what they're gonna do. That's where the intensity right. is going to matter. That's where it's going to be the real – there's going to be the shell game going on. Who's coming? Who's going to be the guy? You know, so that's where you got to look for. Kenny has got to be on guard when he starts to make that – once he breaks the huddle and makes that seven-yard walk, if he's the under center or two-yard walk, if he's in shotgun, that's when he's gleaning the information, going – start from the safeties, working – To the front, you know, the front end of the defense, and it's going to be huge because he's got to identify. And of course, Mason Cole is going to be part of it as far as that protection, but the two of them together, they've got to be able to identify and get an idea who's coming.
2: Certainly. And, you know, that's one of the the nice things I think about Baltimore, right? Is that there's real no questions about their identity, you know? No, no. Um, On offense and on defense, really, Wolf, over the years here, I mean, the the faces change, the names change, but the identity, the mantra has remained largely the same. And I don't expect Baltimore to change. They haven't changed that over decades here. I don't expect them to change that just because uh, Kenny Pickett has had success when teams come after him. I mean, you're absolutely right. Whether it was Rex Ryan or Wink Martindale, now Mike McDonald, it's still a very similar Ravens defense. And they're going to stay aggressive because that's what they do. Um, As long as the Steelers can stay on top of that, like you mentioned, Kenny Pickett and obviously Mason Cole, um, they're going to have, I think, an opportunity to hit some of those big plays that we've been jonesing for to maybe work some things off the play action that we've been hoping to see more of. There's going to be a real opportunity for the offense. But again, you've got to stay on top of it. You've got to be aware of when it's coming and uh, you you just again you know that they're going to stay aggressive that's what baltimore does on defense how do you combat that how do you stay a step ahead of that i think that's going to be the biggest question for the steelers offense on sunday
1: you know it's so funny because the fact is you've got a situation where you know i mean for instance you got chuck clark their strong safety he's blitzed 10 times you got your rookie safety kyle hamilton who has blitzed 11 times you got Cornerback Marlon Humphrey has three sacks and only blitzed seven times. So he's obviously got one of those Mike Hilton-ish type of, uh, I don't know, maybe he's got the cloak of invisibility, (laughs) the stealth mode, you know, as he comes off the corner. It's hard to see. Kenny is – been trapped like you remember the uh, the the uh, option that he ran and uh, yep, you yep. had Richie Grant the safety crash from the end line and I don't think Kenny really saw it so it's this is all part of the learning experience it's part of what he's got to get accustomed to because he's going to see the Dirty Birds twice a year and you've got to be ready for this type of. Uh, Blitzarella going on Blitzerella. here. Blitzarella, yeah. Is that you
2: know, is that Cinderella's brother? Well, actually, how about how about Blitzer
1: right? Ah, is
2: that Mitchapalooza's brother?
1: <laughs> you're very good. They sharp this morning, but they're sharp hey. as a bowling ball. I had like my coffee. There. What can I yeah, say? Yeah, absolutely. But no,
2: you're right. This is again. That's the you know that's the blessing and the curse of the Ravens rivalry. I think that's why these two organizations. There is obviously the hatred there for each other, but there's also a respect there. Yeah. I think too. Um, and that's why they've produced so many memorable moments over the last few decades. They are two organizations that know what they are, two head coaches that know what they are. They've had those identities on offense and on defense, like I said now. I mean, it, the quarterbacks change, the the weapons change, the coordinators change, the big names on defense change, yet it's it's still the same beast. It's still the same bird there in Baltimore, and you, as you mentioned it, Kenny Pickett's going to have to see these guys twice a year. He's going to have to see them again here in a couple of weeks. So, so what what better time than now to kind of start getting a jump on uh, a Ravens defense that is very talented and, and and very good, but also at the same time, right, Wolf, there's there's not a ton of secrets there. You know how they want to play. Uh, can you stay ahead of it? Can you be on the front foot? Can you be prepared for, for what's coming Sunday at 1 o'clock? That, I think, is, is certainly the onus for Kenny Pickett, the offensive line, and, and the entire offense as a whole.
1: Well, it's going to be the guessing game. You know what I mean? It's... Trying to understand, he's going to, you know, they're going to try to bamboozle Kenny, right? So when he gets up there, he's got to be able to make sure that he uses his eyes, he listens to Mason. They're able to both assess what the best way to move the protection because they have autonomy as far as moving the protection, okay? So as far as that goes, Mason's going to be a great help, I would think, to Kenny if he listens to him. And then the other thing is the fact that Kenny can use his – a voice, use the snap count as a weapon. You know, you're going to be at home, all right, so you're going to be able to hear the count. He's able to use that count to be able to get guys, you know, guys are going to try to sugar up what they're doing. They're going to try to hide it and, you know, do different things to disguise the coverages and that and the blitz. And so it's kind of like, you know, to tell the truth, you know, you know, when the guys, they take turns standing up, you know, like uh, who's going to do it, you know, who's the real, the guy, I don't know if you ever saw the game show. That was way back, way before you were born. Forget about it. So anyhow, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> you know, it's going to be one of those things where you're getting them to tell, make a, a tell mark, you know, one of those things where you they, they kind of tip you off as to who's coming. Right. And you can do that with motion. You can do that with shifts, which is what I think Matt Cannon is going to have them do. And you can do that with your snap count and use that as a weapon, because that's something that is going to, I think there'll be a big help because you're at home.
2: Yeah, use their aggressiveness against them yes. in some ways, right? And and that's I mean, they like to fly around on defense. You know, I I don't want to say that they freelance, because that would be putting it wrong, but it's a it's a fly around defense within the structure. You know yes. what I mean? Like they they still have gap integrity, but maybe not as buttoned up there as, as some other NFL teams. They will take some risks, they will take some chances and fly through some gaps to try and make some big plays. Um, and that's, that's where too, I think, well, if you have to be cognizant of taking care of the football, living to fight another down as well too, you know, if, if the, if the defense does guess right and they've got you beat, don't try and force something that isn't there, take the sack, throw the ball away, take the, you know, the TFL, whatever it might be and, and live to fight another down because there's certainly the Ravens are looking at this and, and I, I would imagine saying, Hey. You know, this Steelers team, ever since the bye week, the last four weeks, they've done a really good job of taking care of the football. Let, let's go out there and, and, and force some splash plays and have them reeling a little bit, you know, something that they haven't had to worry about here for for a couple months. Um, that's going to kind of be, I think, the the push and pull, um, particularly in the first half. I'm, I'm interested to see how that plays out. Do the Steelers come out conservative running the football? Do they try and kind of catch uh, the Ravens being a little overly aggressive? What's that What's that battle and back and forth look like? Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, me too. I'm be always great looking clash. forward to it, well, baby. When you're
1: talking Ravens, I mean, I was listening to, to uh, Mike Persuta talking on the DV morning show as I was driving in. And one of the things, that they were bringing up different plays, you know, and everything over the years. The one that I uh, the one that, that sticks out in my mind was when Haloti Nada got to the inside of the great Ramon Foster and got a hand up and he smashed Ben's nose. Remember yeah, that one? I do remember that. Oh, man. I, I remember I told Tunch I was down on the sidelines I, I told Tunch and Billy I go he's got a broken nose because you know I've had a, I had a mixed martial arts and boxing gym for like 20 years you know I said and Tunch is like no he, he, I go hey I know a broken nose when I, I see a broken nose I was down here looking at it that's a broken nose <laughs> you know <laughs> It was like unbelievable you know and, that, and the thing is Ben never faltered that's like taking taking a fist like that to the schnozzola you know, as a guy's rushing by, I mean, that's a knockout blow, and he shrugged it off. I'm telling you what, people don't appreciate Ben's toughness because he was one tough hombre. But you know what? We're going to take a break and come back at the next hour. We start breaking down the Ravens even more so and having fun here in the locker room. Stay tuned, SNR.